Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. When it comes to the last days, the Word of God is most specific. And when we wrestle with the Bible and we prayerfully consult texts, asking God to be our teacher, asking for the illumination of the Holy Spirit, that He would guide us in all truth for the purpose of living righteously, God's going to reveal things to you. Now, we should never be afraid of questions. We should want to be people that deal with biblically-based questions and asking God to teach us what is His truth, how to properly understand His Word. And Paul, in the passage of Scripture that we've been studying for the last few weeks, the Apostle Paul is most clear. He wants to give us exact, precise information so that we know the truth, that we're not going to be surprised that we're not going to be people who are moved away from the right doctrine, that we're going to be people that stand faithfully in the midst of the last days. Well, take out your Bible and look with me to the epistle, the second epistle to the Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, and we're going to begin in verse 8. Now, this is all about a very important event, an event that Daniel spoke of, an event that Yeshua spoke of, and also the Apostle Paul. And I'm speaking about the significance of what's known as the abomination of desolation. What is that? We learned it last week. It is when at God's timing, not the Satan's, but God's timing, when the Antichrist will go into the Holy of Holies, not just into the temple area, generally speaking, but specifically into the Holy of Holies for the purpose of opposing everything that's godly, exalting himself above everything that is godly, and doing what? He will go into that Holy of Holies and sit and manifest himself and proclaim he is God. He is just like his leader, Satan. He is a liar. And we know that when that event happens, that we need to be individuals with the right mindset. Well, look with me to verse 8. Now, we're told that there is a restrainer. We're never told who that restrainer is, but we're told his purpose. You know that his purpose is for restraining the Antichrist, that he would only be revealed in his season, God's timing for this event. And we're told in verse, verse 7 at the end that at that time he will move away. He's not going to be removed from this world. It's not speaking about the church as a restrainer. Speaking about one who we do not know his identity. And we find that when this one who's restraining moves aside, steps aside, this is going to allow 
the Antichrist to be revealed. Notice what it says in verse 8. And then the lawless one, he will be revealed, whom the Lord will destroy with the slain of his mouth. And notice this word. Now, I translated it at the conclusion of last week's study with the word to be rendered null and void. What is this like? Well, let me give you an example. Many people, in fact, this word, kat argeo, that word appears 27 times in the New Testament. And if you are wise, you are going to go and do a study of this word. You can go to a, a software. There's many free ones available to you online. And you can look at this word, kat argeo, look at where it appears in the New Testament, those 27 times, and you are going to be amazed with how many different ways it's translated. Now, when it's used in regard to the law, it is abolished, done away with, but it's a problem. That word doesn't mean that. Now, Satan, when it says that he is going to be slain or, or destroyed, what it means is that he is going to be reduced. How is that going to be? Eventually, we know what's going to happen. Satan is going to be cast into that abyss, that, that place of punishment, that prison. But he's not fully destroyed. Why? Because at the end of the thousand years, that millennial kingdom, we know he's going to be released. He's going to come again and does what he always does, and that is deceive. So, so Satan, this man, this, this Satan incarnate, the Antichrist, he is going to be cast into the abyss. But we know something, that he is going to, Satan's going to come again, and his purpose is to do something, to deceive. But here, we're talking about his, his rendered null and void. And that's going to happen with the manifestation of Messiah when he comes. And here we're talking about that which relates to the second coming. And it says, who's coming, referring to the Antichrist, who's coming is according to the working of Satan. Now remember that word, the working of Satan. This word in the next uh, section, what we're studying right now, appears three times. For example, if you look carefully at the middle of verse, verse 7, it talks about the working of the mystery of lawlessness. So the working of lawlessness. Now we see in the text that we're in, in verse, verse 9, it speaks about the working of Satan. So when the Antichrist is, is made visible, when he is revealed, it's with the working of Satan. Remember that word, it's going to appear again in a very unique location. And it says, middle of verse 9, in all power and in signs, and in false, false wonders. So the Antichrist, he's going to do a lot of signs. What's the source of them? The pit of hell. He is a deceiver. And that's why when we continue on in, in verse, verse 10, it says, And in all, in all deception of unrighteousness. He is going to encourage people to behave unrighteously. Why? When we behave unrighteously now that's the character of the antichrist unrighteously is lawlessly lawlessly against the commandments of god he's for that 
Messiah is for obedience to the Word of God. So when we appear in this word do, world doing those things that we ought not, when we are doing that which is unrighteous, what's going to happen? He says here, we're going to be deceived. And that's going to lead to what? It says, among those who are perishing. So when we embrace this lawlessness, when we operate not in the Holy Spirit, but the spirit of the Antichrist, it is going to lead to us being destroyed. Among those who are perishing, why do they perish? It says here, because the love of the truth. Now here's where it comes down to. You are either going to be deceived by your desire for lawlessness, by unrighteousness, or you are going to love the truth. These people who are going to be destroyed, who are going to perish, it's because, notice what the scripture says, because the love of the truth they did not receive. If they received and had a love of truth, it says, for their salvation, Verse, verse 11, and on account of this, God did something. God sent, and this is a very controversial verse, and it ought not be. Now, if your Bible says, and God sent strong delusion, doesn't say that. Look at that word. Now, remember what I shared a few minutes ago. Three times in this section, there's a work, word that means the working out. It works and manifests something. There is a work and it produces something. Earlier, when we look at that word, it says the working of the mystery of lawlessness. So there's a certain type of behavior that produces lawlessness. The Antichrist, he is going to reveal himself and this revealing is with the working of Satan. And when we look at verse 11, it doesn't say that God's going to send strong delusion. It says this, let's translate it literally. And on account of this, God will send to them the working, the working out of what? This delusion, deception. This is what God is saying. When you embrace deception, it's going to have an effect in your life. There's a principle here. And here we can see it identified with Pharaoh. If you look at the book of Exodus, we all know God's going to harden Pharaoh's heart. And that's true. But did you pay attention to how God does that? If you are of the believer, if you are of the belief that, that God, because he's sovereign, he is sovereign, that he just reaches in and hardens Pharaoh's heart so that Pharaoh has to disobey God. This is false. This is not what the scripture reveals. If you look at that scripture carefully, Moses, he appears and he tells Pharaoh what God wants him to do. And that is send forth my people, not let my people go, but send forth my people. What's the difference? One can be passive. Just let them go. You don't have to do anything. That's not what Moses said. God told Moses to tell Pharaoh, send my people for participate and what my will is. What did Pharaoh say? Pharaoh said, who is God that I should obey him? Well, God began to reveal himself to Pharaoh. Now, God's going to use Pharaoh. He chose Pharaoh, 
to reveal his glory. And Pharaoh can do it in one of two ways. God's will is not going to be thwarted. God is going to use Pharaoh for the purpose of revealing his glory. But he can do it a variety of different ways. If Pharaoh submits and obeys God, the glory of God is manifested through Pharaoh's obedience. And Pharaoh, if he were to do that, he could be blessed from that. But because Pharaoh did not submit, God's plan is not thwarted. Because of Pharaoh's disobedience, what did God do? God judged, God destroyed Pharaoh, and it was in that punishment that God's glory was manifested. And in Pharaoh's resistance, disobedience, all of God's glory through those plagues, that, that striking of Egypt, God's glory was manifested. And what I want you to see here, it's revealing a principle. See, God, in sending this working out of, of deception, it's not this. God does not say, I'm sovereign, therefore I want to deceive people, and I send strong delusion. That's not God. That's how he responds. He has a law. And we see it again in Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, who is the Lord that I should obey him? What did God teach Pharaoh? If you look in Exodus, because of those plagues, Pharaoh says things like this. I have sinned. God is righteous. I'm unrighteous. And our people are unrighteous. And he says to Moses, pray for me that I might be forgiven. Pharaoh comes to great knowledge. He knows that God is righteous. He knows of his sin. He knows that he needs prayer. He needs forgiveness. But here's the problem with Pharaoh. And this is what made Pharaoh's heart hard. Pharaoh was convicted with the truth. He knew the truth. And what did he do? He rejected the truth. He would not obey the truth. Why? He did not love the truth. And that brings about destruction. So what this scripture is saying here is simply this. It says, because the love of the truth they did not receive. If they did, it would have been for their salvation. Verse 11. And on account of this, this rejection of the truth, God sent to them the working out the result of, of deceit. And what is that? It says that they would believe the lie in order that all of them those who did not believe the truth they would be what that they would be judged because they didn't believe the truth and also because they thought it was good what did they think was good unrighteousness they chose unrighteousness when we reject the truth we are embracing unrighteousness and that is what the wrath of God is going to destroy. Verse 13. But we ought to always give thanks to God concerning you, brethren. Once again, he's speaking about the, the Thessalonians. He's still speaking about this congregation who is being persecuted, who is going through intense tribulation. But here again, it's not the wrath of God. It's not because they missed out on the rapture. It's because of their faithfulness. And we see that, that this congregation is a, a paradigm. It's an example of what the church in large can expect in the last days. Persecution for faithfulness. That's why Paul's saying here, look again at verse 13. 
but we ought to give thanks to God always concerning you brethren why because you are beloved by God because he has chosen you who has because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation and now notice he says here salvation yes he chose us to find forgiveness from our sins he chose us how in the gospel God's choice is based upon foreknowledge God's choice is when one embraces the gospel God chooses him if you are under the impression that God does this that God chooses someone and that selection makes them receive the gospel that's a false teaching no God has truth and God has given us a conscience in order to embrace that truth and once we do what do we find God goes to work in our life having received the gospel God goes to work in our life to mature us notice what the scripture is saying again verse verse 13 where it says God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation in and this concept of salvation is the end game that is that kingdom experience that is the victory that we're going to have and that comes through this sanctification of the spirit and true faith the faith that is of the truth so we're going to grow we're going to mature that sanctification what is sanctification sanctification is a process that only a believer can go through and that faith that salvation experience when someone says yes to the gospel what happens the Holy Spirit enters into that person realize the scripture says Paul teaches this he says the giving of the Holy Spirit his indwelling not just him coming upon that happened in the Old Testament on people but the indwelling Holy Spirit in a believer's life only happens when they're saved and after that Holy Spirit comes upon us through salvation then and only then the Holy Spirit begins to to work to do what to edify let me say that in a theological way in order to bring about this regeneration this change this transformation this renewing if anyone is in Messiah he is a new creation that's regeneration it doesn't say if God regenerates someone he will be in Christ it doesn't say that other way around and here we see that same truth being outlined for us we read in verse 13 for salvation in the sanctification of the spirit and in the faith of the truth verse 14 for the one who chose you how did he choose us through our gospel meaning the gospel that Paul received and shared the true gospel Messiah's gospel he chose us not for the gospel but he chose us because of our acceptance of the gospel and in doing that what happens it says for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Messiah Yeshua. now he shares his glory with believers how 
when we are walking in righteousness we reflect the glory of God now we don't have any glory that 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 emanates from us naturally it is only God's glory that we reflect now we remember the the transfiguration see we're not the source of it when Messiah was transfigured on that mountain he was transfigured in that glory that that whiteness that that showed forth it it in it, in it, it came forth from him he was not reflecting he had the glory of God because he's God for us it's very different through this sanctification through walking in righteousness we have the opportunity to reflect God's glory we do righteous things God's glory is reflected through that obedience but it all begins with the glory with the gospel verse 15 therefore as a result brethren as a result of all of this he says stand firm and hold fast to the traditions which you were taught this is the apostles doctrine hold fast stand firmly and hold fast in the traditions of the apostles which you were taught whether by word or through our epistle and now verse 16 but the Lord our Lord Messiah Yeshua and God our Father the one who has loved us and given to us here's our kingdom hope he has given to us eternal comfort so what is this telling us well the word eternal is a kingdom word and what that means is this we have a kingdom hope and when we enter into that kingdom we are going to experience eternal comfort whatever happened to us in this world it will be over we go through a time of suffering just like Messiah suffered for a season but our suffering will come to an end and you know what else as we go through suffering we don't go through it alone one of my favorite verses of scripture is found in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10 where Paul says this he says I want to know Messiah I want to know the power of his resurrection I want to know the the fellowship of the sufferings of Christ I want to be like him now what he's saying here is this I want to know Christ and and to know Christ I want that power of victory the power of resurrection resurrection is a victorious word and how do we know that we're going to have to suffer and that suffering brings us into fellowship with Messiah and it's those things that bring about a change whereby we can be like him that's Paul's objective this is what it's speaking about here and we are going to regardless of what we suffer we are going to suffer in the fellowship of his being intimate with him he's not going to leave us nor forsake us and therefore when we leave this this body we are going to experience notice what he says eternal comfort and not just eternal comfort but also the good hope in grace what's the good hope of grace well remember grace yes grace saves but grace also moves us to the will of God moves us to fulfill the will of God and hope this good hope 
is the hope of God's will being fulfilled by me. Not just to me, we're going to have that kingdom experience, but I want to, to have the good hope, meaning God's will, my hope is that God's will is fulfilled through my life, that I do the things that God wants me to do. And grace is what I am dependent upon to work obediently in regard to the will of God. Through grace, we receive that leadership, that, that indwelling Holy Spirit. And then finally, look at our last verse, verse 17. He says, to comfort your hearts and to strengthen you in every word and every good work. Now, this word here at the end of this chapter, this good word is about the revelation of God's will. And we want to know his will. We know his will through his word. And we want to know his will in order that we might accomplish it. And that's why he speaks here about every good work. So let me ask you a question. Are you interested in working, going to work, for God we're going to see that things are going to happen and they're going to happen soon which will challenge you to make a decision to really identify whether you have accepted the truth or not over and over in this scripture we have seen in chapter 2 of 2nd Thessalonians there's two possibilities to embrace deceit to walk unrighteously and to be deceived by unrighteous behavior or you are going to love the truth receive the truth and you are going to be committed to that good hope which is the will of god being done through my life me submitting to the purposes of god so does god will interest you when was the last time you prayed oh heavenly father in the name of our lord messiah Yeshua? help me obey you help me do your will this is how a disciple prays and we see that messiah gave us that example of how many times we see in the scripture that he would go out by himself and pray pray to do his father's will now he's the son of god and he did that as the son of man as a example to us meaning this if he prayed diligently and for a long time in order to demonstrate prayer is necessary to accomplish God's will we ought to be praying diligently frequently God give me the strength give me the insight provide for me what I need that I might accomplish your will stop being foolish and your prayers is God do my will God fulfill my dreams God do my plan for my life that's heresy that's not spirituality that is a christian form of idolatry no walk humbly with god and it's only when you're humble and say god not my will but thy will be done that you're going to receive revelation a revelation that comes with power in order that you can do god's will glorify him manifest his power in your life that you will have that praiseworthy testimony that every believer should be seeking and praying for. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. 
Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel.